Today, more than ever, our internal, external, and client teams might not be in our own backyard. In fact, we both have clients we've never met in person across the country. But for professional communicators, it isn't always easy. Managing virtual relationships to build trust and support long-term success, that's what we're talking about today. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity in business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. You know what's not virtual is this glass of rosé we're having right now. And you know what virtual people can't see? That it came out of a 40-ounce. Today we're drinking 40-ounce wine, and, and really the company is um, selling bottles of wine out of 40 ounces. And it's just kind of a funny throwback. It is. It's a funny throwback. And it's, you know, here's the thing. We, we got past needing a, a real cork and we understand you can get good wine with a screw top. Now we've just gotten past even wanting it in a fancy bottle. And truly one bottle of wine maybe is not quite enough for two women who are having a good time. So that extra few ounces matters. Yeah, and I think also we can get past um, the idea that beyond the cork and beyond the bottle, what we what I don't want to get past is that forty ounce wine does a lot of sustainability built into their uh, growing practices and in their um, in their production. So so that's a good thing too. So that's what we're doing: fancy glass, yeah, less fancy bottle, perhaps. Actually, it's kind of a cute bottle. I like the I like the label. I do too. And I'm always like a, a by the cover kind of gal when I buy wine. So. <laughs> Yeah, so virtual relationships, it's interesting. People in our generation didn't grow up with that as a default, right? No, absolutely. Uh, In fact, if you're going to go someplace and stay 25 years and get a gold watch, it's because you've physically stayed in the same place the whole time. Right. And for for someone like us, when face-to-face matters a lot, I can only imagine in your business it matters greatly. There's just no way to do a quality interview over the phone or via Skype when you're really trying to get to the essence of a person. But even us, I, I love to be in the room with a client and see all the nuances that sometimes don't come through. So my first instinct is that virtual relationships are hard. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with you. Face-to-face matters a ton for professional communicators. But for me, often, you know, my client is not always the same person who appears on camera. So they're not the same. In fact, they're almost never the same. So if I've got a client in D.C. who's sending me all over the country to film, it's not because I'm chasing them. It's because I'm, I'm chasing down uh, their subject matter experts, for example. But you're right. I think that having a conversation about managing your life while traveling a lot is a whole separate conversation. <laughs> but you're right. I think being in person to really deeply understand a client's need and when they're expressing what their need is, being able to feel that chemistry, read their body language, dive deeper into the layers that you're kind of reading with your eyes versus just what they're saying and that you're interpreting with your ears. I think that's really important. It is. And I think over the course of time as a relationship grows, that can change. But I always find the beginning of a virtual relationship to be a little bit rocky. You're trying to figure out when, you know, when does someone talk? How long do you pause? Is your technology good? Can you really hear what they're saying? There, there are all these little kinks to work out to get a virtual relationship to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And we have virtu- virtual relationships that are both very phone-driven or Skype-driven, and some that are very keyboard-driven. Mm-hmm. And those th- those are even different types of challenges. Agreed. And I think that, you know, for depending on what the project is, if the project can support it, I think um, making a trip and, and doing a project launch in person has made a huge difference for me. Um, a lot of projects have, you know, you've been able to not only have a good meeting, but spend a day, go to lunch, ask questions, 
get a tour, you know, get way more than just the project launch meeting out of the way, but just really deepen the relationship. And in that time, you're able to then learn more about the person so that they're very, very clear that it's not a transaction. You know, you learn about their children or what they do on the weekend or, you know, whatever it is. So really investing that time. So, But if you don't have, in those instances where you don't have the ability to have a face-to-face relationship, and, and many of our virtual relationships, client relationships don't start that way, is being able to use technology. We actually use um, video conferencing quite a bit for that very reason. It, it's a simulated face-to-face conversation. It's interesting that you talk about what you consider the wraparound things, getting to know what somebody does on their weekends, what their family looks like, just that chatter that always happens in a face-to-face conversation, that just small talk, which some people don't love small talk, but it really does illustrate what a person's like and it starts to form and build a relationship. And so finding a way to do that, no matter what your medium is or how you're talking to someone is, I think, kind of important. Yeah, and I don't mean to make it sound like it's not organic. I, it's it's quite organic, but it's. Um, I think sometimes technology can add a barrier. It can sometimes prevent some of that small talk and chatter. You know, you've got either a conference line that you've got to get in and out of, a conference room, you know, a virtual conference room, or you've got, you know, just an hour booked on some sort of platform. So just making sure that the technology doesn't get in the way of just being human with yeah. someone. And getting to know them and going past the transaction, like you said, going past just the business at hand and forming the kind of relationship where really deep creativity can happen, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny when we were talking about this this topic, uh, when we were planning, you said something like, you know, face-to-face is what we want, but we don't always get what we want, do we? No. <laughs> and, and I think it's really, really funny because that virtual relationship or that remote collaboration just is what it is. For our businesses, we've had to embrace it um, because, number one, expanded business opportunities are required for the scale of our business. So do you manage internal virtual relationships differently than you manage external virtual relationships? Yes, by nature, because we manage internal relationships differently than external relationships no matter what. Mm -hmm. So they're definitely not an apples-to-apples comparison. On the external front, I think there's less spontaneity when we're getting started. So because of that, we intentionally try to make space to get to know someone and try to make space to collaborate in a casual way as well as in a formal way. Mm -hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, in our industry, we're not just selling a product and people walk away. It's a long-term engagement, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of understanding a client and their goals and working through the problems and the creative brief and then creating the product at hand, which is different than me managing a vendor from three cities away that's just going to install gutters on the house or something along those lines. There are transactions that, in fact, our gutters got installed and we didn't even know it. So <laughs> we've been waiting and waiting for gutters and ta-da, they're done. But we've never seen that person before in, their, in our lives. Some pleasant back and forth, but we know it's a one-time transaction and then we're going to move along. So that's very easy to manage virtually. But in a relationship where you have a long-term problem-solving endeavor, Mm -hmm. you really have to figure out how to work together, not just communicate back and forth. Yep, absolutely. And I think, too, um, deepening that relationship will help you understand their motivations. So just understanding a little bit more on the personal side, a little bit more about who they are as a human um, gives you insight into solving some problems for them as well. And, you know, maybe this, again, is because we are in communications industries. We value that relationship. And so maybe for some other industries, it doesn't matter as much how that relationship feels, whether it's virtual or face-to-face. 
But for us, we just need a little bit of a person that wraps around the task at hand to feel like we're doing the job we need to do. Mm -hmm. Now, internal relationships are funny because we have an employee who's worked remotely for quite a few years, and we make sure he comes back every once in a while so we don't forget what his face looks like. And we can give him a birthday cake when it's time. But there's, for us, an utter lack of nine-to-five boundary on that. So we know that we might not be communicating in real time, which we, you know, we have clients who are two time zones away as well. So that's a different challenge. But knowing that you might be having a conversation not in real time, but over the course of hours or days as different people's schedules align Mm -hmm. is an interesting challenge to get through with a virtual relationship as well. And I know that he specifically in this example, he was also um, a full-time in-person relationship before he became a virtual. Mm -hmm. You just happened to be able to retain him when he moved away, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, you had an, an, uh, plenty of time and plenty of projects under your belt to develop a really great foundation of trust with him before he became virtual. Do you feel like there are personality types that are good fits for virtual working and, and not? I'm sure there are personality types that are good for a virtual relationship or not. Um, some people need more human interaction, and they, they need to be in a space with other people. Some people do really well in their own bubble with quiet and calm. And so I think that that's, that plays a part. I think the type of work they do, the agency I worked at previously, there were certain types of people who could work from home and certain types who absolutely could not, just based on the function and the infrastructure they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and this is not a breakthrough thought, but in a world where we can do half of our work on an iPad or a tablet or a laptop or a phone, that's not a lot of infrastructure. You can take that anywhere. You know, I was talking with um, one of my team members who works remotely. He just happens to, he and his wife drive opposite directions, you know, for work. So they live closer to the metro Detroit area. And so um, he works from home one or two days a week. And he was talking to me about this topic and saying that among his peer group, there's a number of uh, remote workers. And he said, they're, they, and they agree that there's just certain folks that are good at working from home. You have to be able to be um, self-motivated and self-driven. Um, he also looks at his week and figures out what day makes sense and, and arranges the project that will work best from home. There are certain things where he really needs close collaboration with other team members here. Uh, and so he plans it on a day that he's going to be here. And then there are times where he has focus time or lengthy illustration or, you know, things where, he, you know, he just doesn't want to be interrupted, where he really focuses and does that from home. But the, but the gift then is he could run out at lunch and grab a haircut or switch out laundry or he also doesn't have children at home. And so there, his home is just, you know, not a lot of distraction. But um, it means that he's driving many fewer miles every week. Right. That's true. And he appreciates that, especially as the weather becomes inclement. But I think from a leadership standpoint, I appreciate how thoughtful he is about that. Um, And he is very flexible and certainly very accountable. You know, it it works because it's a person who's a leader, very self-driven and and accountable. And 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 again, we have that foundation of trust. Well, and I find people who are working remotely, they're a little bit more fluid in their schedule. So rather than 40 hours between 9 and 5, five days a week, you might find your 40 hours a little bit here, a little bit there, some in the evening, some on a Sunday. We have another virtual person. She's in the office once or twice a week when deadlines demand. 
but we're just as likely to see her progress on a Sunday evening than on a Monday afternoon when she'd be picking up the kids from school. So the ability to integrate your hours into an unusual schedule, I think, is much easier when you're virtual than it is when you are a face-to-face internal. I think for the people who really do need to show up and be present, whether that's because you are leadership or whether your function is that you need to be present because of infrastructure or other reasons, or if it's because you need the energy of that collaboration, I think that we need to be mindful that the remote workers are just as part of the team and that we don't treat them differently and that we somehow figure out a way to um, have touch points to make sure that they don't feel like they're on an island so that they really feel integrated. Yeah, and I think that's easier said than done, to be honest. You know, on a for me on a very, very busy day, the last thing I think to do is to reach out to the remote people. Whereas if I'm very busy and I'm blowing in and out of the office, I can at least have brief touch points with mm-hmm. everyone who's physically there. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's a big struggle for me as a leader is to remember to touch and connect with the people who aren't right in front of my face. Yeah. Well, is I- that my, that's just my lack of um, attention span apparently? No, I think that, I think having blinders on in busy times is, um, is very, very common, and it's how we get through. You know, we're going to have another conversation about resilience in our next episode, and so I think getting your blinders on and really being able to push through a hard time is something that's just so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, I actually know that you do make that effort, that whether it's reaching out and say, how was your mom because you know somebody had surgery or, you know, did so-and-so get better because they were sick last week, you know, we both do that inherently as leaders because we care about the people that we work with. Let me ask you this question. If you needed to hire somebody tomorrow and you could choose whether they would be remote or in the office, what would you choose? That's a great question. Um, I think first and foremost, it has to do with what is the job and whether it's appropriate for remote. But I think after that, you know, nobody gets to the table without a certain skill set. So all other things being equal, I, I really look for kind of fit. And so I, I don't know if I have an answer for you, honestly. That's interesting because, yeah, the skill set is just how you even get in the door at, mm-hmm. at first. But like, if I had my wish, I'd want to be able to see people. And I joke a lot of the time that I don't like people and I'm kind of curmudgeon about that. But the truth is I really like to see their faces and I like to see them when they're happy and I like to see when they're struggling or learning something new. And I feel like I'm missing something when I don't get that. So with with virtual internal relationships anyway, it's a lot of keeping tabs and intentionally asking and how are you doing. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I would off the top choose to hire someone who is full-time and virtual. I would like to have a little bit of interaction with them, have them in the office once in a while or move from being in the office to being remote. Um, I do agree with that. I I do agree with that. I would prefer that personally. And I don't know if that's just the Gen X in me or if that's the communicator in me. I'm not sure. Or both. Maybe. So I know we've, we've talked a lot about technology. Do you have a formula for success or is, is technology used correctly the formula for success? I think it's technology used correctly. For external purposes, I don't know about you, but we try to be quite fluid and use the technology that our clients are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So if we have a client who's you know hooked on GoToMeeting, we use that. If we have a client who's Skype happy, we go to that. So we tend to take the client's lead there so they can be efficient and comfortable, which then leaves us figuring out different platforms. But in some ways, we're in the service industry. That's our job. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as the technology is used well, 
I think it's effective. And, you know, we've been like, hey, we're using a new platform for a virtual meeting. Let's all test it out the day before. You know, yes. you've got to know what you're doing. Otherwise, it's frustrating and it gives you an underlying level of stress. Mm -hmm. So really, the truth of a virtual relationship like that is practice and confidence and getting comfortable with it, yeah. which I think is a challenge for some people. Internally, you know, we just have all of our communication systems. We have checkpoints. We have schedules. We have software. And, and that just happens so much more organically, really. Mm -hmm. How about you? No, I think it's the same. We, we, we try to be very, very adaptive. So if we've got a corporate client that, again, uses GoToMeeting versus WebEx, we try to adapt to the products that they either already subscribe to or compatible with their machines sometimes, especially with large corporations. Um, but then once we get beyond that, we use our tools internally. And so I have a rule with email that if any of us are emailing with a client and it's not clear after um, two exchanges to pick up the phone because – That's a really good rule. Thanks. So, you know, you, things can become more muddled the more you banter. And then it also can build friction um, unintentionally. And so my rule is if you go back and forth a couple times and it's not clear, call. Because then that is part of the service, right? You're reaching out in service as a expression of really, truly wanting to understand. So that's one rule. And then um, because video is not a PDF that you can send, right? So video, we have a platform for client review. And by and large, most of our clients adapt to it pretty quickly because it's really, really nice and slick. Um, and in the instances where our clients aren't comfortable with it, uh, I will arrange a virtual viewing and then I'll annotate their comments and use it kind of on their behalf. And really kind of almost take dictation or I will or somebody will, right? So I really do feel like technology used properly does set us up for success. And our project management system, I know you guys use Slack, but our project management system has a chat feature built in. And so for when folks are working remotely, that works both, you know, as a platform, as an application on your computer and on a phone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my take on it is it, it's not the work itself that is difficult to do virtually or remote, remotely, it's the relationship that is more difficult to do remotely. Mm -hmm. So getting the work to and from whatever system it is that you use, whatever your business has will have good systems for that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's it's that relationship building part that I think needs extra care when it comes to a virtual space or a remote space so that you can have that good foundation for making great things. Yeah, absolutely. So it really, I think it comes down to, you know, adjusting because adjusting to virtual relationships and understanding that management because, frankly, from an external relationship standpoint, you're not going to get your business to scale if you don't have people as clients outside of your market. But also, um, you're not going to att attract and retain great talent um, if you don't have flexibility for understanding that life happens. So whether that's um, sometimes remote or always remote, but really managing an internal relationship virtually is just a matter of um, making sure that you define exactly what, what when it does work and when it doesn't work. And, um, and then having checkpoints to identify how it's going or how it could be improved and just be keeping almost doubling down on your communication, making sure it's working for, for all parties. That's true. So I think today we've learned that moving into a virtual relationship is just as easy as moving into a different shape of wine bottle. Oh, I love that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we can do it. We it can. will work. It's just as good as the original. It is. Because because it's just a vessel, and what's in, it's what's inside that counts, Jen. It's what's inside that counts. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Easy Underground, or on our website, thespeakeasypodcast.com. 
Don't you think that resilience is inherent to being an entrepreneur? Yes, and being a creative. I'd argue it's one of the things that keeps us all moving forward, really. True, but what is resilience made of, and how do you get it if you don't feel you have it? Well, I guess we'll figure that out next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.